It's good to see every one of you. I want to just share from the Word of God. And uh, He's there to put your footprints on His promise. There to put your footprints on His, that's Jesus' promise, the Word of God. Father, I just want to thank you for your Word tonight. Help us as we go into your Word. You said there's life in your Word. The words that you speak, they are spirit and they are life. And we want the light and the life of the word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in the Old Testament, God promised the children of Israel the promised land. He told Abraham, come and I'll show you, I'll take you to a land. And he says, I'm going to give that land to you and to your children. And God labeled that land a land flowing, that's the, the character of the land, a land flowing with, with milk and honey. A land flowing with milk and honey. But the question is, do we have a land like that in the New Testament? Is there a promised land? Now, when we talk about promised land, we just believe, well, we'll get to heaven. That's our promised land. But if you read in, um, I believe in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, Abraham also was looking for the promised land. He was the one that was given the promise, but he looked not for a physical promised land. The Bible says he was looking for a land whose foundation and structure was built by God himself. So he was not really looking for a physical land. He was looking for a place that God built himself. And he walked through the land. But he had his promised land. I believe he's in heaven. But God also gave the children of Israel a promised land that they went into. And that land, according to the word of God, flows with milk and honey. But do we have a promised land as believers today, as Christians? Well, God used Moses to deliver the children of Israel that were in Egypt, they were in Egypt in bondage, uh, slaves to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. And they were in bondage in, in Egypt, and God wanted to deliver them out uh, from Egypt as they cried out to God. And so Pharaoh, uh, Moses was um, a type of Jesus in the Old Testament, and Moses himself said, A prophet like unto me, God is going to raise to your children of Israel, the people of the world, a prophet like unto me, God will bring to you, and it shall be that anyone who doesn't listen to that prophet will be cut out of the land of the living. And I believe he was talking about Jesus, a prophet like unto him. Now, you remember when Moses was born, what happened? They were killing children, right? That happened when Jesus was born, didn't it? He was a prophet like unto, unto him. And there a lot of things Jesus did. Um, Moses came out of Egypt. The same thing happened. Out of Egypt and into the wilderness. Back. Uh, that's just the way it is. You can go back all the way and, and study the scriptures. Uh, Moses gave the manner in the wilderness. Or God used Moses. And Jesus referred to it. He was his father that did it. He multiplied bread as well. But you know, Moses took them out of Egypt, and the Bible tells us that when they left Egypt, that was their deliverance, deliverance, that was their salvation. Freedom from slavery. Freedom from the power of of Pharaoh, Satan. And God was taking them from Egypt, where they were bound, where they were slaves. 
Just as we were in sin, taking us out of the power of Satan and then leading them into the promised land. And they have to go through a wilderness, have a wilderness experience until they get to their promised land. Now, Moses was not permitted to take them into the, the promised land by reason of death. But God raised up another person who is a type of Jesus. Actually, his name's Joshua. And really, Joshua is the same thing as Jesus. The word means Savior. Joshua is Jesus. God raised up Joshua. And Joshua was the one to lead them into the promised land. But now, when God took them out of Egypt to take them to the promised land, and you can read in Psalm uh, 105, verse 37, he tells us there that God brought them also with silver and gold, so that when they were brought out of Egypt, going coming out of bondage, God made sure they had everything. They were wealthy. He gave them from the land that they were in slavery and, and then brought them out. And he says there was none that was sick among them. There was no feeble person among their tribes. So they were already loaded. But God was taking them to a promised land. But do we have a promised land? Jesus, well, just like Moses, he died. So you need Joshua to take you to the promised land and give you your inheritance. In the promised land. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. But unlike Moses, God raised up Jesus, our Joshua, and he is with us to help us to go into the promised land and to take the promised land. Just like Joshua. So we have Jesus with us, our advocate. The will is there. And God is wanting to take us to the promised land. Now, the promised land is really the promise of God in the New Testament. I'd like to read Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us, not going to give to us, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through these promises, it's like things you can put your hands on. Through these promises, you may be partakers of he, the divine nature. That's the God kind of life. The God's nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through loss. No, now, when you come to Christ, you've already escaped the corruption that's in the world through loss. That's settled. Now, he has given us great and precious promises that's our promised land, Jesus with us, our advocate, that by this we might partake of his divine nature. And that's what God has given to us. Now, grace and peace be multiplied to you. So grace can be multiplied. Peace can be multiplied. Only through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Lord. So Jesus is the word of God. 
the more understanding you have of the word of God and the will of God for your life, the promise that he's given to you, what truly belongs to you, which he has given to us, the greater the amount of grace you have in your life. Grace is God's ability in your life doing the will of God in your life. That's grace. And also peace. So nothing disturbed you. Nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what comes at you. You know you got God's grace upon your life and that God is going to see you through. Because you got God's grace. But it's only through the knowledge of Him and He's giving us these exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, these promises is, by these promises, you can partake of God's divine nature. Only through these promises. Now, dare to place yours, the source of your feet, on these promises. That's the only way you can have them. You see, the will of God, the will of God, people always want to know the will of God. What's God's will? Well, if the Holy Spirit is praying about something and the Holy Spirit is crying out to the Father and uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 26, 27 tells us the Holy Spirit actually prays to God for us according to the will of God for our life. Now, if the Holy Spirit is praying for a particular thing in your life, that's God's perfect will for your life. That's God's perfect will for your life. And in 3 John, verse 2, we see God's perfect will for our lives. It says, Beloved, I pray that you what? Prosper. That's God's will for your life. This was part of the promise in the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God is not saying he doesn't want you to prosper. Then he's saying, you have a part. The land, the promise is given to you. The promised land is there. You get with Joshua to the promised land, the edge of the promised land. When Get into the promised land. Amen. Just don't stay out there looking at the promised land. There is going to be some fighting to be done. Don't just gaze at the promised land or go in and spy and bring the grapes and tell them how wonderful the grapes are. And then say, well, there are giants in the land. Well, there are giants. But God, when he speaks, he says, I've given the land to you. And so, well, if you've given the land to us, why do we still have to fight? That's usually the question. (laughs) By which are given to us great and precious promises. So in the mind of God, his promise for you is as good as you living it out here. That's the way he sees it. You're looking for something tangible, something you can put your hands on. God doesn't do that. He gives you his promise. And he says, get a hold of it. Put your feet on it. And own it. But most of the time we are crying out to him and asking him to give to us what he's already given to us. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And circumstances will come into your life that's going to really scare you. You wonder, how is this going to turn out? How am I going to, what's going to happen with me in this situation? But if you know your God, and you trust in Him, and His grace has been multiplied in your life, he's going to turn out right. 
is no matter how long it is, he is going to turn out right. Especially if you lay hold of the promise. Because that's all God got to give. His promise. By which have been given to you, to us, great and precious promises. As far as God sees it, this is too much. Right? This is too much. These guys have too much. We don't see it that way. God calls it great and precious promises so you can experience his divine nature. When you are part of it, he becomes your shepherd. When he, you go out of Egypt and you're walking with Jesus, he becomes your shepherd. And as long as he's your shepherd, and he himself said it, I am the good shepherd, right? And he makes you to lie down in green pastures. It's whichever way you want to turn is going to be green. But you rest and be in peace because that's what he's giving to us. Beloved, I pray that you prosper in some things, all things. Do we believe this? Do we accept this? Are we going to look at circumstances and what we see happening to people in the world and they say, well, how is God going to do this? That's where we miss it. Sometimes we see it happening in other lives, but we can't enjoy it because of unbelief. And the, I mean, everyone goes through unbelief because you're looking at the circumstance in the natural. And it's hard to figure out how this is going to turn out for my good. But God has said, when you put your hands on the promise, your feet on the promise, all things work together. For your good. So why are you so worried? If the bad thing is going to turn out for your good. Because you are following the Lord. Who says he wants you to prosper and be in health. Even as your soul prospers. That's the important thing. Uh, That's why we're talking about life groups. A lot of Christians I was sharing today. A lot of Christians don't know what's going on in their lives. They just live the way they want. They don't have time for God. They don't have time for God's God's word or God's house. They just don't have, they don't even consider what Jesus really wants. They're not even thinking about those things. How are you going to get to your promised land if God is not there? It's according to how your soul is prospering. You need the word and we're going to come to that. You really need the word to get into the promised land. You just can't get, go into the promised land. There are giants in there. And you can't defeat them on your own. You need God. But God has given his promise. Many people are not able to enter into their promised land because they don't even know that the promise is there. How can you enjoy a will that you know nothing of? A great relative who was a a billionaire, millionaire died and left you an inheritance and you know nothing of it. You live in a a cardboard house with millions of dollars in the bank because you're ignorant. My people perish for lack of knowledge. That's why it's grace and peace multiplied by the knowledge of the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. Knowing the promise and following through. 
and allowing your soul to grow into the promise. And that's what God did. He wants us to grow in that. I'd like to read some of these scriptures here. Joshua 1 verse 3 and 5. It says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Well, Moses was a type of Jesus, right? And Jesus has a lot of promises. They are great promises that he's given to us. But he said, God said to, to Joshua, you need to go on it. Place the sole of your feet. Now, he says, sole of your foot. <laughs> so it's just one, right? You can't just be satisfied by just one. Place the other foot as well. And walk the land. Till you own everything. He's given all things. He wants you to prosper and be in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. It says in, to, uh, to Joshua, verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. In other words, you can no opposition. They'll come, but I'll take them down. And it's the same promise is given to us. Stand against you is saying you will have opposition, but they won't succeed. Things will come at you that will try to make you fail in what you are believing, but stand. Having done all to stand, what? Stand. Keep standing because you're going to win. You know you're going to win. He says you do that. No one is going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not leave you nor forsake you so God says I should have included verse 6 he says be strong and be of good courage why good courage because discouraging times will come hey, God says be strong and be of good courage don't get discouraged because things are happening stay strong but plant your, your feet on God's promises. How do you do that? Go find those promises in the word of God and latch onto them. And then begin to throw away every argument that comes against that. The Bible tells us that. Put down every argument that says, no, in your case, it's not going to work. Yes, it may have worked for this other person. That's because they are a true saint. And for some reason, you feel like you are not a true saint. He works for them. He's not going to work for you. No. God has no respect of persons. If he worked for them, he's going to work for me. And I'm not going by what happened to them. I'm going by the promise, the will. I've got the will. I know what the will says. And I'm going to stay with the will regardless of what's happening in the natural. The will must be very important to you. God said, I will be with you. Now, you just go take the land. Go, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. But Jesus also told us that, didn't he? He said, I will not leave you alone. I will always be with you, Jesus said. And he told us, those that the Father gave to me, no one can pluck out of my hands. The Father who gave them to me is greater than all. So no one is going to take them from me. 
He says, the world will give you trouble, but don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't let it steal your peace. He says, I'm give, I've given you peace. That's the peace, my peace, I've given to you. Where do we come? Where, where do we come to the point where we just lose God's peace because of a natural situation in my life? Then we've doubted what he said in his word. But I believe that this God is real. The only concern I have is how I relate to him. Amen? That's the only concern I have. I want to be on his good side. Amen? And studying his word and believing his word. Telling him I believe the word. No matter what's happening. No matter what I see. No matter what you see. You stay with the word. Refuse to let. God said I will always be with you. Then he gave Joshua... The way to stay fit and really possess the land. And that's your tongue. What you say. He told Joshua, you know, I want you to go, go and take the land. Be courageous. But he wants him to stay with the promise. But it was also for him to use the greatest weapon that God's given to man. Your tongue. My tongue. It's the greatest weapon. And God demonstrated that when he spoke the world into being. He says, by these promises, you might partake of what? His divine nature. Well, when you begin to partake of his divine nature and that's becoming part of your life, believe me, your words mean a lot. Your words mean a lot. If you are partaking of his divine nature through these great and precious promises, you are laying hold of life. Amen? Laying hold of the word, laying hold of his promises, your words mean a lot. Your words are very, very important. What you say, even if it's just jesting, I like it when Irina corrects me when I go off. <laughs> and she tells me, you shouldn't have said that, and I repent instantly. <laughs> but that's second nature to us. You know what I mean? It comes, but we have to grow in grace and begin to refuse and then stay with the word. This is what God told Joshua. This book of the law promises, the promises of God. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. I want you to keep saying it. But you shall meditate in it day and night. The word meditate there means to murder it to yourself. Not to sit down, cross your legs and, and begin to do this. Ooh, that's not going to work. You murder it to yourself. It says, this book of the law shall not depart. In other words, don't let the promise fail in your life in a way where you're not speaking it over yourself. 
It says, don't let the promise or the, uh, the, the law depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. How is he going to make his way prosperous? What was given to him to achieve in life? Take the land, right? That was what God gave to him. That was all he had to do. Go into the land, take the land that God has already given to you and, and split it among the people. He says, if the only way you can do that, stay with the book, stay with the promise. Then you will make your way prosperous. He had only one way to go. Take the land. That's all the assignment God gave to him. Nothing else. You make your way prosperous and then you will have, not may have, you will have good success. Through your words, muttering it to yourself and refusing to yield to what you see in the natural. If you are constantly speaking the word, you have no, and if it's not departing from your mouth, that's all you're saying, you have no time to say something else, would you? You have no time to say anything else. It says, don't allow this book of the law to cease coming out of your mouth. That's what he's saying. Don't, don't give room. Constantly let the book of the law come. So no matter what you see, no matter what's going on, you speak in the book. You speak in the promise. He says, if you do that, then Joshua, what I've commanded you now to lay your, to put your, the sole of your feet or soles of your feet on the promise and inherit the promise, it will come to pass because you will be prosperous. You will have good success. No doubt about it. You shall make your way. How would you make your way prosperous? What God is giving to him, you will make your way prosperous. Not God will, your tongue. Well, because God is already giving the word. Many times Christians say this, God is sovereign. Have you heard that before? It used to really bother me. It's not because I'm refusing that God is sovereign. But it seems like an escape, so we don't have to even try to go into the promised land. So let God do whatever he wants. But the sovereign Lord has said this to us. Amen? The sovereign Lord is behind what he's already said to us. And he said to us, this sovereign God says to us, if you don't allow the words, the promise to cease coming from your mouth, you, there is no doubt you will make your way prosperous. And you'll have good success. So is the words of our mouth. And then he told him, Have I not commanded you? That's a command. Did you know that? It's a command not to see, to allow the words to cease coming from your mouth. And then he says, Be of good, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know why that last part came in after God has told him? Even though you're saying the promises and all of that, very tough situations will come to make you fear, to make you doubt, and make you wonder whether this, I'm just making a fool of myself saying all these things. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying all of these things. This is a joke. 
how long, Pastor, should I, should I say it before I see something at least? Can't God give me a little sign just to help me know that this is going to be just a little thing, Pastor, please? <laughs> so I know it's, he's working. That's why God is saying that. He says, don't even allow yourself to be dismayed. You know, sometimes to the flesh, it's real luxury to be dismayed and be sad and be depressed. The flesh enjoys that. I know it's painful, but that's what the flesh wants to do, given, you know, given the circumstances. It's hard to fight against what you're feeling, but that's all flesh. And the training God is giving to us is not to look at the things that are seen or what we feel, and go beyond that and trust God for tomorrow. Otherwise, it's hard to go to sleep when situations come to you. Uh, they are telling you this and the things coming from the mail and doctors are telling you this. And you've prayed and it just seemed not to be no, no result. It's pretty tough. We all go through it. But God is still God. And if we stay firm, he will come true. In his own time. If it's not really bad, you don't have a great testimony. Nobody will buy your book when you write it. <laughs> Amen? It's the truth. But if it's really bad, Larry King may want to talk to you. <laughs> How did you get out of this? This was pretty bad. You tell him it's God. He says, I know. Tell me what happened. I want to know. But God will take something that is so dark. But remember this. Darkness comes first before light. Read Genesis. It's the night and the day. Usually the darkness comes first before light. Remember that. That's the way God operates. If you can't stand the darkness, you'll never see light. You have to stay, stay firm, stay there, and trust God till light comes. Weeping may last for the night, right? But joy comes where? It always will happen. What you're going through is just for a season. Every one of us. You're going, every one of us going through something. And I'm trying to learn, and you're trying to learn. God is God. He's not that bad. I'm 56 now. I've been, God has been keeping me all this time. He still can keep me today. Through all kinds of difficulties, doubting situations, where you wonder, what's, how am I going to get out of this? Where will my deliverance come? This is going to bring shame to my family. Yeah? Have you been there? What am I going to say? But there is a God. I just know there is a God. And I know he loves me. And he loves you. Amen? He cares about you. He gave his son for you. He knows what you're going through. But he's up there. When you're traveling, you know, if you are in a plane, you can see the wind, the turns and everything, right? But you, if you're driving, you, you have to get to that place to see where next to go. But the guy who is up there, he knows the end from the beginning. That's him. He knows what's going on. And you belong to him. He's going to take care of you. But he says, can you trust me? Can you trust me? And the way you show him, you trust him. The primary way is your tongue. What you say. Matthew 12 verse 37 says, for, with, for by your words you are justified. 
and by your words you will be condemned is what comes out of your mouth your words can set you free your words can really get you in trouble sometimes people say i just want to tell it as it is you don't want to do that you are getting you are digging yourself even deeper into trouble i want to be real well there is nothing more real than the word of god stay with that the other one is just these are just symptoms of the natural life but the supernatural life that's where you want to be forget what you see in the natural and that's that's easy to say <laughs> it's really hard to do it but you, we have to tra- train ourselves that way that's why jesus could go to sleep with waves and all of that it didn't bother him it bothered the disciples he knew he was the son of god nothing can drown him this is not going to happen never he had an assignment god sent him to the world and god doesn't sleep so why worry about the waves but just to help these unbelieving uh, disciples he speak to the wind and the waves but whatever is happening couldn't do a thing by your words the words of your mouth you are justified made right delivered whatever it is god can do that and with your own words you can and you need to read that in context what jesus was talking about your words the only way to be saved the only way to enter into this promised land called salvation the only way to get it is to believe it in your heart get a hold of the promise find the promise search through the scriptures jesus said these are things that you thought would give you life but these are things that were written of me search the scriptures because you're thinking that you have life but those things testify of me jesus so you search the scriptures he is the word of god find out the promise that's jesus take a hold of him bring him into your life jesus is the word of god right so when you see a promise in the word of god that's jesus jesus is the word of god embrace jesus the promise into your life and wait for him to bring deliverance for with the heart one believes unto righteousness the only way you can be saved is you believe in your heart unto righteousness you're right before god but that's not enough there is a second part part to it he says and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation you need to use your tongue when things don't make sense and the way to use it is to go to the word of god it's better not to say anything than to begin to talk and analyze the situation i'm not saying not to call somebody and say well can you agree with me in prayer you are operating in faith it's not like okay what's happening to you well i'm not going to (laughs) say no you can tell them what's happening but then you put a but that cancels everything right and then say what you believe god's going to do and then begin to pray that and speak that before god that's very important for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation why because jesus is the high priest of our confession he is the high priest of what we confess with our mouth and hebrews chapter 10 beginning from verse 19 he says come with full assurance of faith you already have full assurance of it i think let's go to that scripture amen 
It's one thing to have full assurance of faith. That's good. But your words are still very important if you are going to go into the promised land and enjoy what's in the promised land. Um, Hebrews 10 from verse 25. No, not 25, sorry. From 19. Therefore, brethren, having... Boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which is consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And having a high priest, that is the word high priest, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, that you have a true heart, in full assurance of faith. In full assurance of faith, you already have a full assurance of faith, having your heart our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession or profession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So you, you come with full assurance of faith. That's not quite enough. You must hold fast to what you are confessing. And what are you confessing? Promise. Because it says, the one who promised, he's faithful. So you're holding fast to the promise. And you're speaking the promise. And you're refusing to yield. You're waiting. Waiting is hard. You're waiting. And God comes through because you are speaking the promise. Twenty-one, verse twenty-one, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and a full, in full assurance of faith. So that's your full assurance of faith. Having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, that's to say, if I have sin in my life, God will not hear. So you've taken care of everything. But in verse twenty-three, God is still requiring you to come holding fast to your confession of faith without wavering. In other words, don't go back and forth. When the situations appear to be getting better, you're upbeat and you're saying, wow, I'm getting there. And then it gets bad and you change your confession. Well, I don't know what's going on, Pastor. I thought, well, you've already, <laughs> you're going back and forth. Without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God is the one that promised he is faithful. I'd like to go to Hebrews chapter Chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, so we talk about the high priest, that's why we need our, he needs our confession. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast what our confession. Jesus needs your confession, what you're saying, the promise. That's your five loaves of bread, right? And he needs that. He breaks it and he multiplies it. But once you get dismayed by the situation, once you're dismayed, guess all that's going to be coming from your mouth? The problem, constantly. Once you get discouraged and you're feeling bad, 
Guess all you say is what the problem is, the thing that's happening in your life. The word of God is not in the mix. And God is saying to us, you don't want to do that. Hold fast to the confession of faith without wavering. And you go between you and your God and begin to speak that to him. Saying, God, I trust you. Don't understand what's going on, but I trust you. I know this is going to turn out for my good. Don't understand why this setback, but I trust you. I believe you're doing something because your word says all things work together for good. Don't understand it, but I know it's going to work out for me. I'm going to end with this scripture. He says, a fool's mouth is his destruction. A fool's mouth is his destruction. And his lips are the snare of his soul. What you say is key. But you know, you're wondering, what should I say? Say what is there. If I don't say that, what should I be saying? Stay, say what the promise is. That's the way to put your soul on the promised land. And then you will, by and by, have it for your inheritance. Please stand up with me tonight. I think one of the greatest disservice that we do to ourselves as Christians is we hear stuff in, maybe from the Word of God, and once we get out, we have forgotten. There is no resolution inside. Maybe pick a problem. I'm going to fight with what I've heard. That's why we, always, we are really struggling. You hear the word, pick a problem. I'm going to fight this. I know what God has said now, and I'm going to do something with it. And I think when you do that, it's not honoring what you heard. You are honoring God himself because you're taking him by his word. And once you have a heart like that, and you live with that heart, God knows what's going on there. And he's right there because he watches over his word. He watches. When you don't have any resolve in you to act on the word, you are a forgetful hearer. Forget it. But once you make that resolve, I'm going to act on this. God has found a friend. He knows there's going to be difficulty, but he's going to stay with you. So I want you to make a resolve tonight in your heart. Pick, Pick a problem. Find a promise from the word of God. And stay through and see what God will do. But always keep your peace, okay? Let's lift our hands up to the Lord tonight. And... uh, it may not even be your problem, but something that touches you. Tell the Lord, I'm going to stay with you through this. Don't know how you're going to work it out, but I'm going to, I want to see the end. I'm excited because I trust you. I believe you. He's going to turn out for my good. I can't wait to get to that day when I can see fully what I have believed. And it's all because of you. It's all because of you. Yes, in the eyes of men, it's impossible. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I know you are God. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know, yes. In the natural, there's no way out. But I'm trusting you. And I'm going to stay with your promise. I'm not going back. I won't turn to the right. I won't turn to the left. I will stay focused. And when difficulties come, I will confess your word even more upon my life. I'm going to speak it. Don't allow words of doubt to ever ever come out of your mouth. 
Stay with the word of God. Father God, we thank you. We are all in this together. And we are your children learning learning to, to know our Father even better. And we thank you because your word reveals the true nature of our God to us. And your word tells us how good you are. And how caring and how loving you are. Especially to those that put their trust in you. You said you would never allow them to suffer shame. You won't allow them to experience disgrace. And when it seems like disgrace, you turn everything around. And the world can then see how glorious our God is. That you can take terrible circumstances... Put them together and make something awesome out of it. We thank you, Father. We ask that your word, your grace be multiplied. Give us that grace from heaven. Give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our understanding. Help us to trust you that you love us. Even with all of our mistakes and our weaknesses. You still love us. And we are special to you. Thank you Father. In Jesus name. And we all say. Amen. God bless you.